welcome to another episode of Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli speaks to her religious, holy friend. We are the RBG and Scalia of Judaism, (laughs) I would say. That's good. Um, Yeah, one of us is conservative and the other one is dead. Uh, (laughs) Really? We're not going to reveal who is who here. No, no, we're not going to say who is who. Everyone's going to assume I'm the conservative one. You brought up two dead people. They can't defend themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they don't listen to this podcast. One one would hope. But before we get into our mystery guest. Who already spoke. Who already spoke. (laughs) You know, those Jews, they can't, you know. Um, Chayla, would you like to tell people what they should do if they like us? Oh, if you like us, hopefully you're listening because you do, please um, subscribe to our Substack at Ask a Jew. Um, and you can like us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. And you can rate it, please. Only five stars. Don't give five us stars and less. above. Exactly. We'll hunt you down if you yeah. give us less than five. Um, and they can send us emails if you have questions or comments. Again, only love letters to ask a Jew pod pod at gmail.com. Yeah. So and lots ask of ways. Ask You can sign up there for free. It's free for now. You never know when we're going to start charging money. There is an option uh, exactly. to pay us. So uh, we can pay the guy in Pakistan who makes our videos. <laughs> but that's a different story that we'll get into later. Um, but sign up to askajew.substack.com and you will get uh, emails from us. Uh, not too much. So don't worry. We're not going to be annoying. But if you made it this far. Kyla, why don't you introduce our guest? So by popular demand, we are bringing back a guest that we had on several months ago. It was a very popular episode. I don't know why I'm kissing this person. But <laughs> yeah, it was uh, second to Nick Gillespie's episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we have my father, Rabbi Abba Perlmutter, here with us again in uh, person. So in we person. are going to, yeah. So we are going to pick his brain. There is so much going on um, in the news, current events, um, both like on a global <clears throat> scale and on a national scale. And then really, um, what we want to talk about is also on our, in our personal lives, what people are dealing with on a personal level. So we'll try to cover kind of all three of those areas. Well, I have no spiritual problems, so I'm so Yeah, sad. you're, oh, for sure. But uh, you might have some issues to raise. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's the holy pious one here yeah no, we could all use some spiritual guidance uh, that is right true that now, is I think. true so, so thank you for the first question is what the heck oh, is going I'm on so in the world happy, i'm so happy to be back oh. the fact that you have me back here just tells me that number one you ran out of non non-jewish friends <laughs> Okay. So you have no you have no more gentile friends that you want to bring on. So that's number one. And number two, you have no more secular Jewish friends left. So you have to bring back the rabbi. Okay. So I see how I see what it's working here. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Actually, our non-Jewish friends loved the episode with you. Oh, that's there you why go. we're bringing yeah. it back. There you go. And, okay, and I'm in trouble now because I told my mother that you're going to be on the show again. And she got really offended because she said, how come Hila's father is on twice and I haven't been on once? Uh, it's a good, a good argument. <laughs> when I go to Israel, I'll interview good, your mother. Good That's argument. What should. You yeah. should interview her. Um, All right. Okay, so we have a lot of questions that people sent in. 
Um, I'm going to start with the first question, okay? The first and this question comes, is... <laughs> this comes this from um, okay. a dear cousin of mine who wants to know, <laughs> what's your, skincare, listeners, what's what's your skincare and hair routine? <laughs> and what percentage of our listeners are related to Chayale? A lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. But, that, but that's the because she has like 5,000 yeah. cousins. That's I'm right. You that's right. No, Mushki okay. Moskowitz wanted to know how what your hair and skin routine oh. is. But you what, don't have to answer that. What, what TikTok beauty influencers do you follow? This is, this is it's a secret. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I can't reveal it because, you know, my sponsor doesn't allow me under contract uh-huh, to uh-huh. tell you what I use, head and shoulders. But I'm not even going to mention head and shoulders. But, you know. <laughs> they should just, do, you know, though. Figure out yourself. It's, 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 you know, talking about hair, I'm the only brother-in-law of yes. all my brother-in-laws that actually has hair. That's true. The other ones are as bald as a cue ball. That's true. I mean, that's so why they want to know. I've been blessed with hair, yeah. and that's thanks to my father. He didn't give me height. He didn't give me, he gave me weight you do have and nice hair. hair. Yes. I do have hair. And I, I have the hair. exact same hair as you, yes, which you do, is... Which is a problem. Yeah, we will, we will never know. for a guy, but bad for a girl. <laughs> but you no. know okay, how to have beauty... Cares beauty influencers now is a very inclusive and everybody's like in you know different ethnicity or in a wheelchair or something why don't they have like a hasidic man do like ads for revlon about like beards yeah don't worry revlon will soon be out of business and then you'll then they'll get hasidic guys if you want to put the last nail in the coffin of revlon that's a good idea perfect let's call ronnie proman hey ronnie you want to finish off your company fast Get a Hasidic guy to, to start endorsing your, your products. Not bad enough. You're in Chapter 11. You'll oh be in Chapter God. 13 so fast, you wouldn't know it hit you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Besides that, it's a good idea. Okay. In all seriousness. All seriousness. In all seriousness. Yeah, so, this is a very serious podcast. Yeah. Very serious. <laughs> very serious. Yes. Um, okay. So, yes. obviously, top of the news the last few weeks have been some big issues in this country that very feel big. like... Uh, is like just tearing the fabric of our country apart. I I hate to, I don't want to be like hyperbolic about it, but like, it really does feel um, like things are really like on edge. And so there's two issues. Yeah, like it wasn't before then. I know, I know. I know, it is a little hysterical to say like, oh my God, but it does feel like there's this big division on certain issues. And two of those issues that we got a few questions about are on the abortion issue and the gun issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, wow. So I wanted to mm-hmm. address those two issues if we can. Okay, time for me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you ha- you can choose one. Um, yeah, we'll choose get to both. one. I'd like to talk about the history of humor in Judaism. No, we're not talking about that. Starting from Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> through Art Carney. No, we are okay. not talking about that. Okay, so let's talk let's, let's talk about abortion so, first. Abortion let's start first. with abortion. Okay. okay. So I'll frame it and then you can, you know, follow okay. up however you feel. And interest, I think we might have some differences on how we feel about these things. So we okay. can highlight those. If we're we just talking. So um, obviously last week, the Supreme Court struck down the Roe versus Wade case, which now took away a federal mandate that uh, abortion has to be legal in all 50 states and has put it back to the states to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of concern um, you know, that some, I think 13 states automatically, you know, abolished abortion, the right to an abortion, et cetera. So there's been this wave of Jews on the left, right, who have been putting out this idea that abortion is not only 
uh, allowed, but you know, it, it's a, it's almost like an infringement on our religious freedom if abortion is not allowed, right? Because in Judaism, there are cases that it's allowed. Can you tell us what is the Jewish law? Tell I, I want to know about Jewish law and abortion. Where are we? Okay, so first of all, <clears throat> we're talking about serious and a serious issue yeah. here. This is this issue both saddens me and makes me very anxious at the same time. Strictly from a Jewish legal perspective, although I'm not the expert on abortion right. in Judaism, but just from, from a rabbi's standpoint, is a mother's life takes precedent over the fetus. Meaning that if the mother's life is in danger, you're allowed right. to abort the baby in order to save the mother's life. Right. There's no restrictions on that. Even the Talmud even goes to say, even in the ninth month, right. which is an extreme, extreme case, even in the ninth month, you would take the mother's life precedent over the fetus. With that said, with that said, the fetus is a living organism. It's it's not just tissue. Right. It's a living organism. It has a soul because it's alive, meaning that there is a soul in that fetus. Some people right. would call it a baby. Right. Some people would not call it a baby. We're going to call it fetus for, okay. for our for our argument's sake. So so even though that Judaism maybe a little bit more lenient than let's just say the Catholic Church may be right. on abortions. Still, it's a very, very serious matter when we have to deal with ending a life of a fetus, even, right. even if it's not a viable human being. You know, so this that's why this issue saddens me and it makes me very anxious because the ruling of the Supreme Court, which took away a constitutional right for a woman to have an abortion, was championed by many on the right and, and, and on the religious right, including right. the Jewish right. right. And some of my colleagues were just so joyous and uh, over the top. Right. And I am the kind of person where I always try to find who is going to be most impacted by what this law really is. Am I going to be impacted? No, I'm right. not going to have an <laughs> abortion. I'm not going to look for an abortion. I'm not going to yeah. have an abortion. Is it going to impact the wealthy and rich people in this country? Absolutely not. Because every wealthy and rich person, no matter what state they're going to be, right. is going to find a way to get their daughters and granddaughters on abortion. So if you're living in, let's just take Mississippi, yeah. maybe one of those 13 states which will outlaw abortion, every wealthy person in Mississippi is going to find a way to get their daughter and granddaughter on abortion. Who is it going to impact? The poor. Yeah. The poor is going to impact. So I when I when I first heard about the overturning of Roe versus Wade, I thought to myself, okay, I'll put myself put put yourself in the shoes of a poor young woman yeah. in Mississippi now who's right. alone, maybe afraid to tell her parents that she's pregnant. Maybe she doesn't have parents then and, yeah. and she's pregnant. So she's alone. She's scared. She doesn't know what to do right now. She has an unwanted child that's growing in her womb. Was this a good decision for her? No. Was 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 is this gonna is this gonna help this woman? No. No, it's not no. gonna help this woman. It, this did this. So these are the people that I feel sad for because this is this is the impact of it, and um, and so therefore the Roe versus Wade, the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Is, I have I am I'm torn. I'm torn. On it's, it's one looking, hand, oh, sorry, I, no. I, I I I'm not for abortion on demand. Right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm definitely not on, on, for abortion on demand. But at the very same time, I want to make sure that 
people are protected in this. Mm. We live in the United States of America, and you know, and, and women are you know are protected. And, and well, it, most and, Americans seem to feel yes. similarly, like yes. very moderate on this issue. Where yes. obviously, if a woman's life is in danger, and in cases of rape and incest, mm. or me- extreme mental health issues, I mean, all of these things, I don't think anybody. Most people, I shouldn't say anybody, because there are people who say never, but I think most people agree that in those cases, it should be safe and legal and, yes, you know, women yes. should be able to do that. So I, I want to just clarify one thing. So in Judaism, when a, a fetus, when does it actually become a person? Like when does, is it when they come out and they're breathing for the first time? Well, we have to explain, like, what, what, do you, what do you mean when you, when you have to, the, the definitions are very important here. Right. When you say a person, we have to we have to say what do you mean by a person? Are you talking about a person that's a viable human being? Of course, that's only after they're born. Right. A fetus is not viable, you know. Right. You know, outside mm-hmm. of the womb. Even though now you have like a, a grand right. your your niece and my granddaughter was born fifteen weeks. Twenty five. Twenty five weeks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Twenty five weeks, but she was nothing. Right. She was one pound, like ten yeah. ounces. Yeah. But she was alive. Right. You know, she was and absolutely she and alive and she lived yeah. and she's thriving now. And, you know, and thank God, she, you know, she, she's good. So when you say the word person, you have to have a definition. In Judaism, the fetus is protected by halacha. Uh-huh. The, the fetus is a, is, 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 some, is, a, is a unit you know, of the human species that is protected. So a woman that comes into a rabbi and says, I'd like to have an abortion. Why? Well, I just don't want to have the kid. No. no, no Orthodox rabbi is going to is going right. to allow her to do yeah. that because the Torah says that this whatever is growing inside of you has a right has right. rights to you know to, to to be born. You may want to give it up for adoption. You may want to do something else with it. Fine, but to to come in there abortion on demand, the Torah would not would not right. agree with it. Um, so when you say that about a person, yes, it, it has rights. The fetus has rights, but. Like every every other human right, when it comes up against the mother's rights, the mother's rights take precedence. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's that's how you would look at it. And and we would also what saddens me also is the idea that this issue is 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 equivalent to a human rights issue, like for example, um, segregation. Right. You know where segregation is so black and white. Right. It's so wrong. Right. I mean, and everyone, everyone who's a decent human being should have been out there, you know, yeah, pushing against, protesting yeah. this. This is a very nuanced issue, right. very, very nuanced issue. Both sides of this issue have some credible arguments. Right. And unfortunately, like everything else, it's driven by the extremes. Yeah. But the extreme right that wants a clear ban on abortions and only happy when no one could get an abortion. And then the extreme left, which is abortion for everybody at all times right. and everywhere. There has to be this nuance. I would not be opposed to having, even in, in, when the states where abortion is legal, some kind of uh, uh, consultation, right. you know, with the young woman, just to sit and explain to her, look, at the end of the day, this is going to be your, your decision. Right. And this, but you have to understand that the decision that you're making is going to impact you for the rest of your life. Right, right. For the rest yeah. of your life. I mean, I understand that, you know, the argument, what about rape? The, the amount of abortions that are, that come from rape are uh, so small, right. uh, so very small. Most abortions in the United States are people that just don't want to carry the fetus to, you know, to, right. to full term. And, and there has to be this kind of nuance and this understanding. You created life. 
Yeah. No one forced you. You had a relationship. You created the life. And I need you to think very seriously about this. Both sides need to think very seriously about it. At the end of the day, I'm not involved. It's you. Yeah. You're involved. You're going to make the decision. Fine. But I need you to understand that this is not a black and white issue like the segregation issue. Right. And it's not a it's not a medical procedure like a teeth cleaning or an ear right. waxing coming out. Right. Where, okay, you do it. This is something that is serious because the way we look at abortion is not only in that very minor and you know concentrated issue. It's the way we look at life overall. And if we're cavalier about, you know, hey, you know, take out take out the fetus at, you know, like at seven months or six months right. or eight months, it has a ripple effect on society. Right. And on the other uh, and, and on the other side, where these people who are want to ban abortion completely, are you ready now to set aside billions of dollars to care for those right. children? Ugh, I, are I you know. ready to do that? That's another, that's another thing. If Mississippi says, no, we're going to ban abortions, but we're setting up a fund of $10 right. billion dollars for mm-hmm. anybody that needs to raise that child, oh, okay, fine, you know what, I'm, right. I'm happy. But they won't. They don't do that. They won't I mean, this do is that. a decision that the, the government should even be involved in. I mean, what, what you're mentioning about, let's say, consultation and talking to women about the impact, that's something that can be done at a communal level, yeah, right? No, I, I'm talking about communal, but mm-hmm. I, I think because this because this I- issue involves a third party. Now, mm-hmm. uh, let me explain what a third party. What, what, I'm, what I mean by a third party, the fetus itself is again is 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 a viable entity. A fetus mm-hmm. can now live at you know what, yeah. twenty weeks, twenty three, twenty three weeks. Yeah. This is this this is not. Something that we need we need to be cavalier about that yeah. we're not just going to say hey you know what let's just come in there with a vacuum cleaner right. and and goodbye. It could this, be a very liberal is, argument, actually, very liberal argument to you know give a voice to to the voiceless in this case. Right. I mean, no, I'm, it, it, but it's no, become so true. politicized. You know, and, it's true. So. So do I want the government? I'm generally a person that doesn't want the government involved in our lives. For us Jews and and religious liberty, it's better that the government stay out of our lives so we can practice as we wish, worship as we wish. But in this particular case, I think that we do need adults around the table to really sit and think this through because a lot of it is impacting very young women. You know, right. young women, That's teenagers, true. many yeah. teenagers. So I do think that you do need an adult around the table. And if that adult is the government or if it's a community leaders or, or whatever it is, I do strongly believe that these women need to have this conversation. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I'm all for whatever you decide. You know, it's, it's legal. If it's legal, whatever you decide. But I need you to understand what the ramifications and the impact of your actions are going right. to be. I, well, I have what's a question. The, oh, sorry. I was going to ask you, what's, like the abortion, what's the abortion conversation in Israel like? I should have prepared for this because I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know that you need to go through a committee um, if you want to get an abortion. But from what I understand, it, it they approve most of the requests. Yeah. yeah. I'm not entirely sure. But, but I wanted to ask, and this is my personal question, um, because you mentioned the, the polarization of the debate. And, and to me, you know, I know where I stand on this issue. I stand very firmly um, on one side of this issue. But I think I don't think any of the arguments are stupid. I don't think any of the arguments are bad. I can completely understand where, you know, a pro-life person is coming from, even though, you know, I am pro-choice. But this debate is 
so, um, um, you know, controlled by the extremes that I find myself getting very, very angry. And I find myself losing a, a lot of the, um, you know, courtesy that I want to extend to, you know, whoever is talking on, on whatever side. So how do you, let's say you're very adamantly, and, and by the way, this comes from both sides to me, but let's say if you're an adamant, adamantly pro-choice person, how do you extend that, that courtesy to your, your fellow American? How do you keep, keep that faith when you're dealing and you're constantly seeing the worst of the worst of arguments from the other side? But yeah, listen, what, what you're expressing right now is really a symptom of society. It, 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 right now, right now it's, 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 it's being expressed through this abortion debate. But we've, we've in the past few years, all of our, all of our discussions on any, any issue has always been driven by extremes. Mm-hmm. Driven by extremes, extreme right and extreme left. These are the ones that are driving our cultural decisions today. So I, I would not put abortion in a category of its own. The question should really be, how can we in this country that is made up with a majority of centrists, most of us are pretty much in the center of many of these cultural issues, mm-hmm. both on the right and both on the left, how can we recapture Right. Drive being the bus driver on these issues and sort of eliminating and putting the, these extremes aside. That's and not what driving the bus off the cliff, which is what yes, I feel like I yes, want to do every because, day. Because and you take any issue that we're talking about, anything, you know, how, how, how we deal with transgender, how we, how we deal with gun control, how we deal with anything. Mm-hmm. Again, all the voices that are heard are the extremes, are the extremes. Where are the people that are in the center that can sit down and have a real, real honest conversation? Like you mentioned before, both sides have legitimate arguments. Both sides of this issue have legitimate arguments. It's not a black and white issue, but we need people who are willing to listen to the other sides. We could right. come up with a solution. There mm-hmm. is a solution to this issue. You say, yeah. you know what, look, we're going to pick a date, whether it's going to be 25 weeks or 10, or 30 right. weeks or whatever it is. You, you, you come up with a solution and say, until this point, we're going to allow it. After this point, you know what, we're not going to allow it. This is, you know, this right. is what, and many countries yeah. do do that. Many countries in Europe have that yes, kind, yes. have that kind. But we seem to be held hostage here on everything. It's, it, it's either completely to the left or completely to the right, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are are, are appearing on CNN, and yeah. they're the, the talking ads are appearing on MSC and Fox and News, writing in the major and writing newspapers. in the paper, newspapers, mm-hmm. and and so we not we're not able to sit down. You know, yeah. people that are not you know a, you know are, are are extreme are just being left out in the cold. I struggle right. to to not you know to stay in the center because every time I see something incredibly obnoxious from the right, it makes me automatically even paint that whole segment with a broad brush and the same from the left. And I see both every day and it, it fills you with, with so much, uh, you know, rage, rage. And, 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 <laughs> and I was going to say disappointment, but let's face it, it's rage Yeah, that, you know, I saw obviously some people know I'm very passionate about policing. And I saw this thing today from this professor, of course, and it was just such a dishonest, bad faith take about police officers doing their job. And it, it really, you know, my first, my, my first feeling, my first gut feeling is to say, you know, excuse my language, but screw anyone who isn't on my side. 
Right. Right. How do you fight that? That you can't. You can't. You have. You, you can't lose faith because mm-hmm. if, if you lose faith, then we're lost. I mean, if the the, the moment the center is lost. It's over. It's yeah. over. We have a very dysfunctional government right now in Washington. Very dysfunctional. Can't get can't get anything done. And it's right. it's it, no matter what the issue is, it can't, it can't get any anything. Luckily, done. the Israeli government is. Uh, is <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's another. Oh, there, there's there's a, a, oh a bastion God. of stability. Bastion <laughs> of stability. I would call the Knesset. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I think I voted like twenty times in my life already. So. I mean, it's and that's only in six months. Yeah. That was that was, that was you know, in the last in the last six months. But we can't we can't give up faith. This is a great country. This was, I believe, built on strong moral and ethical values. We have, for the most part, even though we've done things that are not pretty, and it's, it's taken us time to you know correct many of the things. But I still believe that the United States is a wonderful country, a country that can do a tremendous amount of good to the world if we can just get back to talking to each other and listening to each other and not screaming at each other and only have this affirmation con- complex that I'm only going to listen to people that affirm my beliefs. That's yeah. that's all I'm going to do. Never yeah. going to listen to anybody on the other side of the you know of the aisle. And but it's challenging. I know I'm like I have strong opinions on different things yes. when it comes to you, <laughs> you know culture and politics. Right. And it challenges me to listen to people mm-hmm. on the other side, but I force myself to because if you don't ever listen to the other side, how do you know what your argument yeah. is? Or if, is it strong enough? Do you have holes in your argument? Is there a way that you can come to a compromise? You have to listen to the other side. If you're only consuming media that is either right or left, mm-hmm. you're, you're missing the whole, half the story. Of course. And it's, but we're so emotionally healthy. tied to a lot of our opinions. Yeah. You know, I, well, I, it, at the end of the day, like Haile and I talk a lot about Israel. Obviously, it's, it's very close to our heart. And, you know, it definitely, I have an emotional reaction if I hear something negative. And of course, I have plenty of criticisms of Israel, but, you know, it it really, it's hard to separate the emotion from the facts. Right. Well, we we also are suffering here from a dearth of leadership. Yes. There's nothing. There's no leadership. I mean, we were talking today with a group of people. Who's going to be now running in in in, in the twenty when is it twenty twenty four yeah election I mean years. I mean who I when we're trying to go down a list of people there's nobody there's absolutely forget about statesmen uh, right. a Winston Churchill or someone like that right. for, forget about those Andrew those Cole. guys on FDR <laughs> forget about these kind of people they're they're long gone a John F Kennedy for forget about those guys who. Right. And when we're going down the list, there's a dirt. There's, there's no leadership. You know, there's no leadership here. Israel, going back, just back to Israel. Israel is an emotional issue because you know where we come from and what yeah. Israel stands for. And Min Chaylei, as you know, a Holocaust survivor, child and grandchildren. You know, I'm like you, Al. I could, I can suffer criticism of Israel. You like this? You like the? You don't like uh, Bennett? You don't like Lapid? You don't like Bibi? Fine. Where I draw the line is trying to hurt Israel. Yes. If you're going to join the BDS movement and advocating for Israel to be boycotted and and, and divested from and sanctioned, there I have no patience for you. There I, I, I right. draw the line. I'm, I'm not interested in what you or have to say. Or if your criticism is based on lies, which I think 90% of the time in this discourse it is. Yeah, yeah. I agree with yeah. you. I yeah. agree with you. So, 
That's so basically, do you believe in anarchy or should, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I may not have to believe in it. I, it may just become the reality here. I Who should be our Jewish. first Jewish president? Oh, <laughs> our first Jewish, our first president. Jewish president. We almost oh. had a Jewish vice president. Jill we, were, we were close. We oh, were so close. We were very close. Two hanging short. chads. You know, where the people know. in Paul couldn't, couldn't, had... couldn't push the... the, the, I, the yeah, I'll be honest, if we're, if you were such a global cabal and control everything, how come we haven't put in a president yet? Honestly, I don't want a Jewish president. No, I wouldn't. I don't want... Yeah. No. Can you imagine the blame that we'll have to shoulder? No, 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 no. It would not be good for us, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, someone, wrote, right. someone wrote a book. I think That's why we haven't installed one yet. You know, wrote oh, a book, yeah. Jews, Jews in Power. power. Yeah. It's it's not very good when, when we're in power. It, it's good when, you know, we're, we live in a society where, you know, we, we have rights and we can, you know, we can live as free people. But putting us in power is never good because it's usually you're going to bend over backwards to, to, to appease the people that uh, they are not your friends. I have a kind of nerdy question to follow up on. Sorry. Go ahead. But in the, in the Torah, um, when the Jews ask, um, you know, in the book of, of, uh, is it in Sh- in Shoftim or Shmuel when they ask for a king? Shmuel. In Shmuel, right in the Book of Samuel, when they I ask so. for a king, Correct. right? And Hashem is really upset and he's disappointed, sure. and it's because the Jews wanted a king because they saw all the other nations had a king. What do you think, according to Jewish law or Torah or whatever? What is the best form of government? Like, what did Hashem have in mind for like what a government should be? Yeah. The best form of government is is division of powers. Israel traditionally uh-huh. had a government and division of powers. You had on top of the government, you had a king. Right. King David, King Solomon, subsequent, subsequent kings. But the kings were limited in their scope of what they can do. Uh-huh. There was a high priest that controlled all of the Temple Mount. Right. That was his purview. So he was in charge of all of the whatever went on in the Temple Mount, the sacrifices. He wore the breastplate, which had inside of it a Urim Vitumim, you know, a direct connection to God where the king had to come and ask you know, whether he should go fight a war or whether or not. And then besides those two offices, you had the Sanhedrin. Right. You had the you had the high the high courts that made all the rules and regulations. And the king had to have a Torah specially written for him that followed him everywhere he went. Right. So he had one of these attendants that carried a Torah to always remind him right. that every decision that he makes has to be acquiesced and has to be by, by, by the Torah. So you had these three separations of power, each one regulating each other. Mm. Now, when it worked perfectly and the king did what he was supposed to do and the high priest did what he was supposed to do and the, the Sanhedrin, the high court did what he, it worked perfectly. Right. They made the laws, the king implemented the laws, the high priest took care of the spiritual needs of the people and everything worked in perfect harmony. But what happens is, is when you get to position of being king yeah. and you're not a righteous person. Right. You don't, mm. you know, you're not worrying about what the Torah says. So power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. absolutely. So you get, you, 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 you take out the high priest and install one of your buddies. Yeah, your you take out the high court and that's, you know, but what, that's, if, that's but, what happened. But that, but you're, so you're saying the king, but what if God didn't want us to have a king? Right. What did, what was the original like, I mean, what was Moses? He was more it was, of a... It would, have been, it would have been run basically by like a Sanhedrin. It would have been run yeah. by a religious leader. Uh-huh. You know, Moses was a religious leader. He was a prophet. Joshua was a right, religious leader. It would have been right. somebody, but not a king. Not a king. The term king was specifically designated for God. Uh-huh. I am your king. I'm your sovereign. That position of the word king, yeah. you know, because in all times, Moses was a king. Right. He made all the laws and he, he transmitted all the laws. He right. wasn't the man in charge, but he wasn't a king. Mm-hmm. 
Joshua also was a leader, not a king. Not a king, right. Then the judges. The, the judges, judges came along, leaders. but not kings. Right. They came along and said, no, 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 we want a king. We want the whole retina. We want the whole pop and circumstance. Right. We want someone that we can go up to and bow to. And, you know, he can sit right. on a big fat throne like this. So right, right. Th that, that position of king, God was upset with. But there was always going to be someone in charge, kind of anarchy. I mean, right. with no one in charge, it's, it's anarchy. So the king... Traditionally, in Israel, he was the he was the biggest power. Right. Now he he controlled the army and he controlled right. you know, the, the the taxation. And when you control the army and the money and flow, like, hey, you're the everything. boss. You're yeah. bo you're basically the boss. But we were hoping and praying that he would be a righteous person and right. would care about the welfare of the people. Turns out, it lasted two generations. Right. David and Solomon, and then and busting up. Then yeah. Split. So it just kind of had a king now. Perfect. That's funny. it's hard. It's hard because you're dealing with human beings, yeah, yeah. and you're dealing with human beings who are capricious, and you're dealing with human right. beings that are that you know they have an ego and then the narcissistic, right. and you know and and to be a lord over people, you think about the mentality of you of sitting in that position of power. I mean, we 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 don't recognize it because. We don't have that in the United States. We never had that in the United States where a guy has the right over life and death of right, you. Because, right. you know, if you stood in front of the king and you even like winked or, or yeah. nodded, you know, he had a right to, to kill you. It's interesting you're saying that because when we were growing up, I mean, I'll say two things that I maybe I'm, I shouldn't say because it's embarrassing. But one, <laughs> when I was younger, I used to like, you know, when you have like stories in your head. I would literally pretend in my head that I was a queen and that I was in charge of everyone. That was like my ultimate Thank dream. Thank God, the, all the money I spent on therapy worked. Well, you have to send it to therapy. I, she thought she was Queen Esther. I love that. Yeah. Secondly, this explains yeah. a lot. No, she thought she was Madonna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the other thing is, is that when uh, when I was growing up in school and we would have like our time for prayers, our teachers would say to us like you know, you have to stand a certain way or be a certain, you know, behave a certain right. way during praying. Imagine how you would behave in front of the queen of England, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. little kids need that sort of image, image in your head of, of how we want to treat God. And I still kind but, of think but, like that. Yeah, but, but How do British this. Jews deal with that, with the royal family? Uh, they give them a pass. That, they, they, and they have no real power. Nothing. The they queen nothing. of England, the queen it's of nothing. England is nothing. <laughs> right. She has no power. Think about someone yeah. that has the power over life and death. Right. The last right. person that we uh, experienced it with was the czar in right. Russia. The czar right. in Russia literally had power over life and death. He can condemn yeah. you in that moment yeah. to death. And he could kill you right there, right there and then. We don't right. have that. We don't. We don't have that anymore. So well, wait, can, the queen can't do that. I mean, not that she would. She seems nice. <laughs> she would no. like to. She would like to, especially her own family. You know, and that lady that lives here in America. What's her name? Oh, uh, Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's another question we want to ask you. What's your take about Meghan and Harry? Uh, I think the, uh, that Oprah interview really yeah. upset me. Where the three of them were sitting there was very it angry. Your, about it shook that. your faith. It shook my faith. I couldn't. It was weeks till I got over it. That's so weeks, funny. Weeks. That's so funny. Um, okay. What should else we, do we have? Should we move on to another topic? Yes, please. Sure. So, um, okay. Uh, someone asked about divorce um, yeah. and the Orthodox uh, view or Jewish view on divorce, sure. um, which is another topic that we sort of differ from the Catholic Church and mm -hmm. other um, religious groups. So talk about Divorce. Divorce. Allowed, not allowed. Uh, definitely allowed. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> encouraged. I mean, you know, not often, but sometimes. Sometimes. Of course, divorce is allowed in Jewish law, no question about it. It 
clearly states in Deuteronomy that if you'd like to divorce your wife, there's a way to do that. You have to give her a get, the divorce contract. You have to pay for her upkeep, whatever, all the rules and regulations that go. But divorce is certainly allowed within Judaism. You know, and, 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 what and if a woman asks circumstances where you have to divorce your wife. I mean, you know, if, you, if, you, if he's a bad man, you, you should divorce him. There's, there's but no what's question. the deal with, sometimes we hear in Israel about these stories of the the men not giving the divorce to the wife. Yes, so that's called an aguna. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's called, like, uh, for example, the husband has to write the get for the wife. He divorces mm-hmm. the wife. And there's some times where the husband doesn't want to do that. He's holding back from actually giving her the divorce because... Which is a form it, of abuse. It's a form of abuse. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. It's a, it's a horrible thing. And I think it's very romantic. Can, I'm kidding. <laughs> what? She, said, she thinks it's very romantic. Oh, very romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> Literally, it's abuse. You know, it's, yeah. you know, and where, you know, he does it either for financial gain or just for spite. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's where the husband you know, can hold back the divorce from the wife. But more now we're, we're leaning in, in, in the more kind of uh, liberal, orthodox uh, places. Yeah. They're talking about prenuptials to the ketubah. It hasn't right. been infiltrated in the real Haredi movement, but it, it has in the more liberal yeah. Jewish... More and more people more are and doing More and more people it. are doing a prenuptial. So, you know, that's going to eliminate kind of, you know, where, where the husband can hold this over his wife, which is a sin, which yeah. is a terrible, terrible sin to do that. Divorce is another one of those issues that, I mean, obviously we agree that divorce is allowed, sure. um, but I think maybe it's too, uh, we, it's done too much, too often. I don't know. I go back and forth on this, but I, I, I feel, I feel strongly that people should try harder. Look, look, the thing is with this, <laughs> not if there's abuse, God forbid. Let, let, but, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah. We are not living in the 1950s anymore. I know. That ship has sailed and it's not know, coming back. I know. The Leave yeah. It to Beaver episodes are nice on, you know, on Netflix or wherever you can yeah. catch Leave It to Beaver. But those days are long gone. We live in a society that deals in instantaneous gratification. Right. I need my gratification now and now. Not yep. tomorrow, not the next week, not in the following week. I want instant gratification. And that follows every part of society. There's an internet, com- there was, I was often talked about the internet commercial that said, our speed is faster than fast. I mean, <laughs> faster than fast. What do you mean faster than fast? Fast <laughs> is fast. We need faster than fast. But that's, that's how you sell internet. Yeah. That yeah. it, you need it now. If God forbid we have to wait two minutes or two seconds for our, you know, Wi-Fi to go on or something like that, we go crazy. Uh, Can you imagine? Yes. Remember when you used to have the uh, AOL dial-up? Dial dial yeah. You oh, had yeah. to wait till get the internet. Somebody would pick up the phone and it would cut you off. Did that? <laughs> they 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 lynch you. So we live in a society today that that permeates everything about us. Right. Everything from fast food to internet to and that per, and that then now seeps into relationships. So if you're living in a society that says, "Hey, you know what? We value time, gradualness. Right. People change slowly. Things don't happen quickly. You know, when you're standing under the chuppah, every groom and bride has the same thought. This is the this is the most wonderful person I'm marrying, and I'm going to live with her for the next fifty years. We're going to raise a family together. You know, and all of that." And, and but without realizing that that is going to take time and effort, my friend. But society doesn't give us time and effort. Society says we have to grow up at age 10. Your son, uh, David, at age 12 knows more about things than 
my generation 10 times and my father's generation 300 times, okay? So when, yeah. you, when, when, when you have this kind of society that doesn't want to believe in gradualness and things that take time, they take root, they grow, there's going to be bumps in the road. No, I need my happiness now. So after three years of marriage, and I look at you and then you look at me and I'm not the same guy and I gained 20 pounds and she doesn't look good the same way she looked three years ago under the chuppah and I come to the rabbi, rabbi, it's not working. Why are you not working? The three years is, is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. No, no, no. But I, I need to be happy. Rabbi, I want to be happy. Society tells me I need to be happy and I can't be happy with her. Right. So that's what you get. I wonder what's what the common reason in for for divorces in the Orthodox community. Do you know? Is there a I would common say the reason? same as the secular community? I would say abuse. There's probably mm. some form of abuse. abuse. You know that goes on pressure. Yeah. You know you have children very young, and yeah. then you know financial, all of a sudden financial pressure, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden yeah. you know like you have four kids before the age of thirty, and you say yeah. to yourself, I, 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 I can't. What about infidelity? This. Does that happen? Yeah, I would say. I would happens. say. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure. I, I don't Rare, think much statistics. Yeah. but I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure it happens. It does happen. You know. Yes, we're, we know some cases. No, I don't know of any cases. <laughs> I'm I sure. don't know of any cases. You know, but but it happens. It does happen. You know, it, it's I feel a little like around me in the secular world. It's it's there's so much of it. It's almost a given. What yeah, fidelity. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, really? it's a little sad. Well, but, listen, you know. look, it's legal here. It's legal in the country. Yeah. So, you know, if it's legal and it's not, it's not looked down upon in, anymore. If you, you know, if you're, you know, having outside of yeah. marriage. Well, that's cool. that's my concern. It's not looked down upon because um, we lost shame. We have no more shame yeah. anymore. Well, <laughs> you know, and again, like this is all part of leave it to Beaver kind of society. Right. You were ashamed if you got kicked out of school. You know, you were sent home. You know, for yeah. whatever reason, you were ashamed. You walked down the street. You didn't want anyone right. to see you. Why is he coming home at two o'clock in the afternoon? Oh, he was expelled. It was it was embarrassing, and mm. your parents were embarrassed <laughs> to come to show. Today, it's a badge of honor. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? The dumb teacher kicked me out of school because he's an idiot. And yeah. look at me, I'm, you know, I'm now I'm not going to back to school. And the so parents complain, complain to, to the principal about how dumb the teacher is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've yeah. lost shame. We've lost, you know, so th those, those are, those you are. Bring, the, back, bring back shame. That should be the, bring the title of the episode. You know what? It's, it's shame. We developed shame yeah. in society because it was a guard for us not making the same mistake over and over again. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a defense. defense it's yeah. a defense mechanism that mm. you know what like if you sneeze in public without you know like putting your nose or turning away, you were ashamed and you said you know what I'm ashamed. Uh, my brain is now going to register that. So next time I'm at a kiddish standing over the table <laughs> and I have COVID, I'm not going to sneeze over the potato salad <laughs> like an idiot, like I did last week. So this is why we developed shame in our lives to tell us idiot. You know what? This is not nice. This is not proper. So the next time you need to sneeze, you step outside, get a handkerchief, and blow your nose. How did we lose that? We lost it because society just gave up. It's all, all it's in the 60s. Talked about giving up your inhibitions. You know, mm. all of these are conformities to society, and we're yeah. nonconformists. This yeah. is this is man, Greece, right? Greece. Uh, what was, what was my that? favorite movie? The, with this, um, <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, conventionality. <laughs> no, that's not in Greece. That's in Greece. Greece was the downfall of society. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Oh
And then Greece only You're brought right. that society because it made John Travolta a star. That's <laughs> and the society as we know it today. Now I'm just joking. I love John Travolta. You do? Uh, no, but yeah, you're right. Not? There is this anti, you know, anti-establishment, anti-conformist. Of course. And, and it's also, it's very much like, and I think this is a relatively new phenomenon. And, and if I'm, if I'm remembering um, Yuval Noah Harari, right, this kind of um, me uh, way of looking at things. So everything is like, do what feels right, follow your heart. These are all, you know, they can be good things, but they're very much center the human and not the, the community. Totally. Totally, one hundred percent. I was when talking about that. I give a class you know, on Wednesdays, and we were talking about today about you know years ago we lived in small shtetls, most of us Jews, and everybody knew what everybody's business was. Right. So if Yael was not home at seven o'clock, the mother didn't go crazy; she wasn't worried because she was probably eating at the Pearl Mothers, and uh, again <laughs> for nothing. I mean, for free. Maybe get the free meal at the Pearl <laughs> Mothers, right? or if Chaylei wasn't around, we applauded it, and the table's going to be quiet finally <laughs> for once during dinner. Won't have to listen to Bill Clinton. And you know, over and over again, it was glowing about nice, good looking ears. Anyways, but those were the days when we had we had a little shtetl, had community. Today, you know your neighbors. You could be living in a in a, a high rise apartment in in Manhattan, and you mm-hmm. wouldn't know one J from one K from one L, and yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't know who's living in that apartment building. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad. It's yeah. sad. We took care of each other. And this is this is this we is have, the ramifications uh, yeah. of uh, of living in suburbia, you know. And, What do you think about online communities that people have? So, for example, my niece is really into anime and she's um, (laughs) (laughs) she has her little community online. So, you know, she has friends from different parts of the world and they talk about anime and they talk about other things, too, like regular teenage things. It's sad because (laughs) there's something I'll tell you why I think that it's 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 nice to have better than nothing. But it loses that personal emotional effect. We Mm -hmm. are biologically social animals. Mm -hmm. We need people. And we need people to be able to look in their eyes, see their inflection, see their body language. 90% of communication is nonverbal. When I have a when I have a a, a discussion with somebody in my office, I don't have to listen to what they say. I just see the way they sit and how their Mm -hmm. eyes are rolling to tell me everything that's going on. And this you lose by an online this, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at you now and I'm seeing you, but I'm not connecting to you. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting next to Chayalea. I'm yeah. connecting to her. And we as human beings, even from little, little, little children, we begin to grow and to develop by that kind of what we call regulation. Right. We regulate our emotions by, you know, a person hugs you, a person cares for you. Touch in the is, is a very important human need right. and that you don't get when you're on online. You don't get the emotional connection between two human beings, and mm-hmm. we lose that ability. So if you're a normal kid and everything is going well, so okay, so you know what? It's fine. You know, you're, you're, you're talking to online. But think about an emotionally needy child that needs that kind of, you know, of emotional connection. Right. He's not getting that online. Mm-hmm. He needs yeah. that, you know, either in school or in with parents, you know, and all of that. And that's what we lost with two years of this COVID is we lost that kind of development for our children. So adults, we are who we are and we're developed and, you know, let's, you know, we can move on. But for children, we used to, when I was a kid, I never stayed inside, even though I lived in Montreal, but as, as much as we can get outside, we were outdoors playing baseball. But I don't even just, know if the kids notice. Like, I think the kids are being raised so differently that they, they genuinely believe that they're having those 
deep relationships they're not. with people. Mm-hmm. Our brains but, are not wired that way. Our brains are not wired. Our brains developed over, if you want to count 5,000 years, or if you want to look at the secular 250,000 years, whatever way our brains have developed a certain way where we have a a necessity for emotional connection. And we're not getting that by being online. We're just not getting that by being online. It it doesn't work. There's no substitute. There's no substitute. I, I, I'm watching this show. I you have to watch Secrets of the Whales. Oh, on, on I know my father's rolling his eyes. I haven't stopped talking about it since is I started about, watching. Like, is it like a National Geographic? It's, it's on National Geographic. It's unbelievable. It sounds but so boring. One, okay. it's not boring. Okay, and one of the interesting things about it is that whales talk to each other. They're extremely social, and there's even a theory that um, I forget which. I think it's the. Um, I don't remember if it was the humpback whales, but they actually name each other and they call each other by names and they like really have a lot of touch and feeling and communicate. And I was thinking like, imagine if humpback whales all of a sudden got the internet and like everybody was like in their own corner of the ocean, like emailing each other, but having all of that touch and feeling that, that they need to be having with each other. And we're sort of like that. Our, our kids are sort of like that right now. think, Think about this. When you ha- when 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 we're in a good situation, when a person is regulated and yeah. they're emotionally you know stable, everything so things are going right. Right, now you're 12 years old, but think about the kid now that's growing up. He's not going to have his his, his his real relationship is going to be with a partner, right. whether it's going to be with a girl or whether it's going to be with a boy, right. or if you're gay, you're going to have some another a partner. Right. Think about how you relate then. You right. you've been raised. To only deal with online right. discussions. How do you know you haven't been be you haven't been trained yeah. how to deal with real life raw emotions. Right, right. You know, so someone gets angry and you're gonna say, Okay, so what am I gonna do? Go to the internet and right. type in on Google how to be- my wife is having a meltdown. <laughs> what should I do? Uh, you should say to her, honey, this is what we need to do. Please take three deep breaths. This sounds uh, great. Can so I far, get by you some flowers? Oh my I- god. So th- is that the way we're going to no, deal with it? No. Well, we're going to have a, we're going to have uh, artificial intelligence partners soon. Like that's, uh, well, you, you Harari, just you know, you, you mentioned him. We're we're we're, we're going to be post-humanism. We're post-humans. Yeah. Uh, Everything is going to be dictated by machines. I always us. had a theory that I one of the so. reasons people have such a hard time in marriage is because so many people grew up having their own bedrooms and never sharing a bedroom. And if you've never mm-hmm. shared a bedroom with someone and all of a sudden you live with someone and you share every single thing, it's really hard to learn how to live of with course. that person. So just, just something course. I've thought about for a long time. I, I think the secret to happy relationships are separate bathrooms. So yes, yeah. that is oh, for sure. For sure. If, if, if you, you can have your own bathroom, that, you're absolutely. golden. Well, absolutely. it was funny. Carson Daly. Do you know who Carson Daly is? <laughs> yes. He Carson just MTV. came. I think it was Carson Daly. He's still on? Yeah. Well, there was just this like <laughs> news story about him that he basically announced like five years ago that him and his wife are having separate beds. Like they, yeah. Some people have separate rooms. Two bed, two beds in the same room. I think in the same room. I'm not sure if it's in the same room. Like Orthodox people, 
and, and it became a whole new story. And it just, it came up again, like a few weeks ago that Carson Daly still is married and they're so happy and they still sleep in separate beds. And I'm like, this is so funny because Orthodox Jews sleep in separate beds. And, it's, <laughs> and I'm like, yes. no, I didn't know that was like such a big deal. Yeah. I always look at secular couples and I'm like, how do you share that tiny bed all the time? I find can it I tell, like, can I, annoying. Can I share a funny story, a little side story? Yeah. Sure. Sure. But last week, um, I went um, uh, spend the night with a friend, a mutual friend of ours, who I will not name. Um, but we we went upstate and we shared uh, a bed, which, you know, I'm not used to sharing with an, a friend or right. someone who's not a partner. Uh, and it was but it was a very, very big bed. And, you know, we were very tired of watching a movie, very comfortable. And at some point, I don't know if it's because I was in a different place that I wasn't used to, but I had a very bad dream. And the dream was taking uh, was taking place in the room where we were and somebody was attacking us. Oh my God. And I was yelling at the person and I was saying, Rabbi, I won't say the word, but I was saying, who the F are you? Over and over again to the person who was attacking us in my dream until my, my friend shook me awake. And told me to stop screaming. Who are the you f are you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I okay. was both mortified, uh, like embarrassed, but also terrified because I had just woken up from a very scary that is dream. So yes. funny. Oh so my gosh. That, that's my story of sharing a bed. You ever have you have bad like, dreams often? I or? do, and I have been told by uh, by people that I've you know shared a bed with that I speak uh, in my sleep. Really? Um, which can be very entertaining sometimes, but not when I'm having a bad dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, have yeah. a, I have one son who talks in his sleep. It's frightening. Still, really? Yeah. Still, it drives me nuts because all of a sudden I'll hear someone talking. I run in because I think he's like saying something or scared and it doesn't even make sense what he's saying it's just like words but yeah he, he talks and it's so funny my sister was speaking in her sleep and it would be but but she would say the funniest things oh, so really? we would just make fun of her but at least it's not sleepwalking sleepwalking that is because people like get in their car well what well, that same son does sleepwalk and what, not anymore no, not, he used to. years ago he, he used, used to. to and he was in overnight camp and the counselor called us once and he said we found him walking you know in the middle of the oh. night like away so they ended up installing a, a, a little bell and like a little lock in his bunkhouse <laughs> right because they a little were bell around his neck like a cat yeah exactly Scary. Um, it is scary. scary. It is totally scary. No. But, but, um, that, but that could be a L story could be a show on its own. <laughs> I mean, just terrifying it, it dreams. Was, it, it, it makes sense because you were sharing a bed with yeah. a, someone and you were not comfortable, even though it was a big bed. But all of this played a factor into you know, my, someone attacking my, you. My you know? nightmares usually happen where I'm where I am. So I'm usually in my bed in that room and. So I don't really know that I'm dreaming at first because things are happening around me. Oh my God. My nightmare always is something about where, where I have to run and I, I'm so <laughs> out of shape and heavy that I can't run and I'm, I'm going to die. Every nightmare is the same as me oh, being wow. like, I can't, I can't run. What am I going to do? Oh wow. my God. I know my son talking about questions? that. My son is in Peru and he's Ooh, hiking wow. right now to Machu Picchu today. Oh, and there's wow. 2,000 steps to get up to the Machu Picchu. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, 
you're going to go up 2000 steps. He what? says, well, don't worry, mom. If you ever want to come here, there's a bus that goes around oh, the other oh, end of it. So you can take a <laughs> That's bus. the one I want. That's the, that's <laughs> where I'm going. We'll just Photoshop you in a photo. Yeah. Much. I'm okay Everybody watching Pichu Pichu here on the <laughs> Pichu Pichu. Yeah, yeah we can, I can watch the, yeah, I'm fine. Let's watch the whale show instead of going. Yeah. Yes. Do we have more questions though? I do. Um, more? Yeah. Oh. Can we ask? Oh, we'll ask two more. Okay. That's it. Okay. Okay. Well, one of them you kind of answered while you were talking about the divorce thing, because I wanted to get into something about our personal lives. And I had an aha moment while you were talking about divorce. And, you know, because I know I feel this way. And a lot of people that I talk to say the same thing and are frustrated about this. And it's, you know, we all want to make improvements in our life. We want to be happier. We want to be satisfied. We want to feel, you know, feel better about the life we're living or how to make changes. And yet it is so hard to actually change, right. Or to do anything to make ourselves feel better or to make ourselves happier. And it's like, I'm in this constant like rut of like, I know what I need to do. I have the list, right? I write it down. I have my to-do list. I read the book. I know everything. And then Mm -hmm. it's just what taking that next step and understanding. And when you were talking about how we live in a world where everything is so instantaneous, I think that's part of the issue is like, when I say to myself, you know, I want to be more productive or I want to lose weight or I want to, you know, be more mindful. It's like, I want it to happen right now. And if I don't see Mm -hmm. results in the next 15 minutes, I give up and I'm like done with it. Right. We all know what we need to do, right? Yeah. We know know the recipe, right? We know what we need to do. How do we, or do you have any insight into like how to go from knowing what to do and having the list to actually doing it? Okay. I'm just going to give a generic, you know, okay. kind of generic answer to, you know, to this. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to start first with quoting Maimonides, who was a very smart guy. Okay. And he wrote many good books. And one of the questions he asked in, in the Guide for the Perplexed is, is how is it possible for the Jews after they leave Egypt, three months later, after receiving the Torah and experiencing all of these miracles I mean, if you believe in the Torah, right. you believe they, they they saw the plagues in Egypt, they saw the splitting of the Red Sea, the giving of the manna, the, the well of Miriam following them, the giving of the Torah, all of these things they experienced. They didn't hear it. They experienced it. And yet, 40 days later, they're worshiping the golden calf. Yes, yes. How, how is it possible? Right. So he introduces an idea which he's called the inevitability of gradualness. Think about okay. this for a second. The inevitability of gradualness, meaning that he argues that miracles are wonderful markers. They're great markers, meaning they'll wake you up. You see a miracle like, oh, it'll it'll stun you. It won't change you. Mm -hmm. It won't change you. Meaning you'll remain the same person you were two days ago, five days ago, three weeks ago. It may have a little small minor effect in you. It won't change you. The only way to change, according to Rambam, is the inevitability. It's gradual. And you need to understand that, that any change that you're going to make in your life is going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to be quick and easy. If you want to have substantial change, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical Mm -hmm. change, it's it's going to take time and a little bit of effort. You also have to be realistic in your goals. 
I would like to compete in the Olympics when it's coming here. To uh, I, know, I think I'm a very good, you know, rower, yeah. swimmer, sure. you know, triathlon. And Maybe I winter may convince Olympics. myself, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to train, and, and and people are going to laugh at me. They're going to say, Rabbi, you mean your age, your physique? <laughs> your, 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 there's so many different things. So you have to also temper your enthusiasm. I know we all wake up January 1st, yeah. tremendous resolutions. We're all going to lose weight. We're going to spend $5,000 on and, and think by January 15th, our, 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 our rowing machines or our, our Pelotons <laughs> are now hangers for your pants. Yeah, okay? big with her Peloton. You know, I know. You, you know it's, it's so, so, so if you I take guess. those things into consideration and you make a true accounting of where do you think you could really make a difference in your life? Right. Where are the things where you really, really want to put aside? Don't pick 10 things. Don't think I'm going to change physically, spiritually, emotionally. I'm going to do this. My marriage is going to Pick something that you know that you really, really care about. If it's your health, concentrate on that. Make realistic goals and then, you know, like you say, write them down and just always think in mind, you know what, it's going to take time. I know it's not going to happen. I'm not going to lose 20 pounds overnight. But if I follow this regimen, I'm right. going to be walking in, in, in on a good place. Now, what's going to happen is going to be inevitably we're going to go down a black hole because after four days, and I'm on, I'm on, I weigh 275. And I, I start for four days, and now I'm a 274.8. I lost 0.2 pounds. And I look at the – because the biggest enemy you're right. going to have in weight loss is your scale. Right. So I look down, yeah. and I lost 0.2 pounds, not even you a half go to the pound. freezer and I lost six ounces. <laughs> so your mind is automatically go to a to go to your black place and say it's not worth it. What you have mm -hmm. to do is – I gave this class on meditation – is – Immediately when you start thinking, going down a, the black hole is change the channel. Uh, Redirect. Yeah. Find yourself a happy place. Meaning every one of us has memories that made us feel good, made us feel safe, made us feel secure. Right. We were in a good place. Even, even today, I had a conversation with somebody who was very, very distraught emotionally, terribly distraught. And I said to him, do you have a happy place? No, no. I have no happy. I said, come on, come on, right. think, stop for a second, stop. Just tell me, give me your happy place. And he did. He had a happy place when he was 10 years old. A lot of it is when you're young. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know I have one. Just go there. Right. Just go to that happy place for a little while and live there. Just just mm. live there. You know, me, it's maybe, maybe me, it's camp. You know, right. where before I had, you know, responsibilities, yeah. before I was married, we were in camp. It was glorious. We didn't have any, mm. no responsibility. So I, I just put myself back when I'm a, I'm a young teenager and I'm sitting there and we're all laughing with my friends. Right. And then I feel better. I've, I've regulated myself now. And I go back to my, isn't to my daily function. Isn't that mixed with sadness sometimes? What? Or isn't that mixed with sadness or nostalgia or no, you, you, no, longing? No, you have to find that place that's seriously going to make you feel where you were in a in a, in a good a, in place. a good place, yeah. it's abyss like a, a bliss. Right. You're, not, you're not in an abyss, be, but you're bliss. You know, could so be thinking about some ma manifesting some future. Oh, here's me like w winning the Oscars. You can you yeah. can do that. Yes, that can also happen to find change that spot. Like like it, uh, just change the channel. You're watching a I show. Like it's about the Holocaust. You're getting very anxious. No, so no. Instead, I'm going to prove myself Stay how to tough I am. So I'm going to stick it through. Right. I'm going to stick it through. 
You know, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, so the next day you're going to wake up and you're going to be miserable, you weirdo. Move to the Just whale. Move to the whale show. Go back to Seinfeld. <laughs> go back to Larry David. Go back to some happy place and you'll be much, much better off. No, but it's true what you said about the gradualism because, you know, there's that famous meme or, or cartoon or whatever where, you know, people think success is a straight line that goes up, but it's uh, instead it's like more of a squiggly line. It totally. goes up and down, up and down, but but gradually upwards. Totally. I mean, see, we we are we 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 are people that are influenced by the latest news. Yes. Two days ago, so today we are influenced by people that have made billions of dollars overnight. Right. Right. We talk about mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg. We talk about the guys from Google. We talk about the guys from wherever other companies totally. that you know are twenty eight and are billionaires. And here I am, sixty six, not even a thousandaire. <laughs> okay, I got exactly four hundred eighty three dollars. Okay, and I think to myself, look at this. Look at these guys, twenty eight years old, billionaires. But you know what? There's five of them. Okay, there's five of them. Not there's not five million of them. There's five mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerbergs. We need to look at Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is a long-term player. You know, invest, wait, market's going to go down, right. the market's going to go up, the market will go down, mm -hmm. the market. But over the long run, over like you said, Neil, over the long haul, the market mm -hmm. is going to make you money. That's mm -hmm. where we should be looking to. Not to the Robin Hood guys, where we want to make money today, we're going to make $6 million, and that's going to be it. I'm going to retire for the rest of my life. Right. Life doesn't so I shouldn't have put all of my money in uh, Dogecoin, is what you're you saying. You should. You should. <laughs> I think it's a very safe investment, secure, <laughs> stable. You know, there's only one Elon Musk. One. Right. One out of seven billion Elon mm -hmm. Musks. Not two, not three, one. And oh. seventy thousand uh, Elon Musk's in the making that are not that are struggling. Ah, that are there. Yeah. You know, so so that's so everything boils down to you know patience, you know stability and consistency. Right. Consistency is a is a tough one because you got to every day be up there and you know do yeah. it. If you have to exercise at four five o'clock, you're exercising at five o'clock. And most of these guys that we talked about, the Zuckerbergs right. and this, will all tell you they're up at five o'clock in the morning. Right. They're hitting uh, the road running at five o'clock. I'm, I'm out then if that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's unfortunately you have to work. Bill Gates took six days vacation in twelve years wow. when he was building Microsoft. Six days in twelve years. I worked how many six did days it? in twelve years. Okay, so <laughs> how many if you're, days? If you're that if you're that you know focused <laughs> and in and and you're so obsessed. You know, not that you're but how many did Melinda Gates take? See, I, I'm I'm more. Yeah, I you want to be the Melinda, Melinda Gates. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I want to divorce the Bill Gates. Yes, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But there's only, unfortunately, one Melinda Gates either. That's so Melinda funny. Gates. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Sila, last question. Um, I have one last quiz. A quick question, but it kind of goes back a little bit to politics. But very quickly, um, the Supreme Court ruled last week on the um, praying at the the football coach who wanted to pray oh. at the 50 yard line mm -hmm. uh, with his teammates. I'm no, wondering no, no. with his students. No he, no, he did not. He prayed by himself. Oh, he was praying, he by, prayed himself? by himself. Oh, I didn't know and that. They fired him because they felt that he's putting pressure. Oh, I didn't know then that. students came and prayed. Oh, I he see. did not encourage the students to come. He prayed by himself. Okay. Then students came by and themselves on their own volition and others from the other team, you know. Okay. So the school freaked out. And you know, okay. I've got no problem with the what Supreme Court ruling. No problem. You with think it. it should be uh, no problem. 
absolutely prayer, no problem. Do you think he should be allowed you to? You should be allowed to pray if that's just something. It right. doesn't bother anybody. He's not advocating it. Right. He's not, you know, he's not pushing it. You know, if, if he said, look, I'm making mandatory for everybody to pray, right. obviously this is a violation of church and state. Right. No question. But for me to be able to kneel down on a, you know, pros do it all the time after the games. Yeah. No one bothers them. We have to, we hang out that the, the school took this position that the students are so vulnerable right. that the coach themselves praying on the 50 yard line is going to shake them to their core. Mm-hmm. These are these are football athletes. They get beaten up by right. big men. Okay, <laughs> give them, give them, give them, cut them some slack. If a kid doesn't want to pray, he won't pray. They have enough concussions. They don't even know what's going yeah, exactly. on. Exactly, exactly. I got no, but, I got right. no problem. By the way, the bad, the bad faith, the bad take arguments on Twitter were, um, oh, if this was a Muslim or a Jewish coach right. praying, it would be you know pitchforks out. Which is such a silly, uncharitable take. I think on the contrary. Yeah, they they wouldn't have touched them. If I I was the coach and I all of a sudden pulled out my prayer book and started praying, (laughs) they would never dare touch me. Yeah. And a Muslim, if he rolled out his carpet, they would never. It was a Christian coach. eh, We're going to go after him. Because he, he's because he's because he's fair game. White Christian men, no one cares about them in this country. Let's get him. <laughs> Believe me, if it was a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim, yeah, absolutely no one would touch them because the ADL what? would be on it so fast. <laughs> oh, the ADL would come down on them, and then Simon Wiesenthal would show up, and then Mayor Kahani and Mayor Lansky, oh you know, and every mayor known to mankind, you know, would come down on them so hard. How dare you tell Rabbi Perlmutter he can't daven mincha at the 50-yard line? You're kidding, you Nazi Hitler. You know, no, so they would say, no, 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 sorry, sorry. We didn't mean I know. Rabbi Perlmutter, go, please, please, daven mincha. And Myrig, if you want to, too. And if it was a Muslim, could you imagine? Oh, yeah, no oh the care would come down. Now, there you go, you you anti-Muslim is Islamophobe. Islamophobe, but you are. What's the name of that law in the internet? That the the law that that every argument eventually boils down to somebody calling someone a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, that's of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it always, absolutely, it always comes down to that. absolutely, they're Nazis. Those guys, yeah. they would be. And I'm offended on behalf of, of, on of my my Holocaust family. You know, I'd like to reserve the the, the Nazi symbol only when it really, really counts. You know, right. it's like a right. it's like I a agree. cherry on top. You don't use it. You use it sparingly. The fifth column guys were joking about one. I forgot who it was, but one of the Republican women, I think, who are batshit crazy. I forgot which one. Something <laughs> I mean, like you, one Hitler second. was. Oh, hold it one second. Let's get out, <laughs> let's get out the roll the roll book. Which <laughs> one are you talking about? I forgot I which mean, one, but one of them said something like but, Hitler was right about one thing. Because oh. it was, I forgot what, and so everybody on the internet was freaking out. How could she say that? So Michael Moynihan's like, "Well, she's pointing out." Oh, I think Camille said it. Camille's like, "Well, at least she's saying he was only right about one thing. That means that he was wrong about everything else." <laughs> so it would be worse if he said Hitler was right about two things, and I'm only going to tell you one that yeah, he was yeah. right about. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Every time you do, you know, you, you say something. I'm, I don't know. I like dogs. You know who also liked dogs? Yeah. Hitler. Yes, Hitler. Well, Hitler dogs. was a vegetarian, so like, yeah. Um, was? yeah, I think that's what they say. Yeah, okay. See, he was at least. I mean, I mean he wasn't it, all bad. You know what? That's not bad. It took us <laughs> an hour and an a hour quarter to-, to get to Hitler and the Holocaust. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we, Usually we're in it about 30 the longest, seconds into the discussion. Did you know that we're Holocaust survivors? It's <laughs> the longest we've gone. And I haven't even told you about the Eichmann uh, documentary oh, that came my, out in uh, Israel that is just like mouthwatering. Really? About they released um, 
these tapes of Eichmann giving an interview to Life magazine where he's oh. basically say, like showing off or talking about all the things he's done. And, you know, during the trial, has he said, um, for, for all our non-Holocaust-obsessed listeners, Eichmann <laughs> was, like, the charge of the final solution, right? Yeah, he's yes. Like Hitler's right-hand man. Very, very lovely guy. Um, <laughs> and he was he was on, he, he, he was uh, captured by the Mossad in Argentina, which is an amazing story, how they just, like, took him, yanked him off the bus and uh, flew him secretly to Israel in a commercial airline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And put him on trial in Israel. So his whole thing was, I was just following orders. I didn't know what was happening. Oh, and, you know, I was just a little cog in the wheel. And, um, he, um, he gave an interview apparently to life magazine in the sixties and those tapes have just been released. So you hear him in his voice saying, wow, you know, all the things that he did and they did it like with a reenactment. So they have actors playing them. Um, it's, if, if mm -hmm. anybody loves the, the Holocaust genre, um, I think it's called Eichmann, the secret tapes. I don't think it's out in the U S yet, but it is, wow. uh, I'm, it is I'm quite delicious. That. When I finished my whale show. <laughs> yeah. Is there, okay. a is there a whales during the Holocaust show? There is, be there's a whale Holocaust happening oh. in some parts of the world. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I was surprised. Wait, here's a fact. Do you know how many whales there are in the ocean currently? Oh my 10, God. A, a little over 500,000. 500,000. I don't feel bad for them anymore. That's a lot. <laughs> That's almost, almost as much as Jews. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> it's like the, um, you know, when the, the Simpsons episode where Lisa goes to Nelson's house for the first time and he has a nuke the whales poster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she says, nuke the whales. And he's like, eh, got to nuke something. <laughs> Leave it up to those shows. Oh my gosh. Sum it up. Well, thank you so much. You're very for welcome. On. I hope from now to the next show you meet some new Gentiles. <laughs> so you won't have to call me back. So, you know, we're going to go out there, get a phone book, start looking we, up we some are. names of Shaughnessy. We are. You know. We are. We, we, are. we have some okay. good Gentiles lined up. Yes, please, we please. do. We do. Please. All right. yeah. Thank you so much for You're being here. Welcome. And again, please like and follow and subscribe and share. Well, and but how do they all show the money to our How do they do that? You sign oh, up to our Substack. You don't have to pay, but there yes. is a nice Pakistani man named Saad who I'm <laughs> I would like to pay. This is a very long story we'll talk about next episode. Um, <laughs> who's uh, making more content for us. We have our sound engineer, Mickey, that I want to put up a photo of him, like the starving children yeah. in Africa that you can be like, with just with your donation, yeah. we can pay Mickey. For 19 cents a day, we can feed Mickey. Oh, 19 yeah. cents. You can make it uh, more. You, know, you can make you can it more. You can make it so more. Best Saturday Night Live. If, you're, best. if you don't want to pay, if you're an anti-Semite and you don't want to pay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, share it. Tell your friends. Um, Spread and, the word. Uh, share yeah. the love. Bye, Al. Bye. Bye. Thank you.